G'day everyone, welcome to another edition of Wrestling Oldstyle with myself, Chris Funder, and Mr. Alex Fruity Williams. Alex, how are you today? I am feeling Nah, I'm not gonna steal that bit from uh Waiting and John Pollock. My mic wasn't cutting out. There wasn't people throwing Molotov cocktails outside my house. I am absolutely fine. Uh how are you, Chris? Yeah, doing doing probably a bit bit better than you, mate, given the uh What's going on in the world? <laughs> Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be locked down. Tomorrow morning from when we recorded this. Yeah, so I'm going to be locked down. TNA locked down. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Every day's a new TNA show to watch. Yeah, six sides of steel surrounding my house. And with the big main event with eight people inside my house. And after 20 minutes... A- a rooftop gets lowered with a bunch of weapons on it for lethal lockdown. Yeah, I suppose we should let the, the listeners know that um, we're not watching a heap of TNA. The uh, state government you're in's actually put on a statewide lockdown. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I don't, I I know a lot of people are complaining, like especially being in regional Victoria, like we're not really putting up any numbers on the board so why are we getting punished but if you might as well lock us down it's the safest thing to do let's just get over this people have shown that they can't be trusted we had like some ridiculous story about someone from Melbourne driving to Wodonga to buy some McDonald's and going back to Melbourne. Oh, yeah, I see seeing that on the national news the other day. He drove to Wodonga because he wanted a Big Mac. Yeah, and see, like, I've driven from Melbourne to Wodonga many times in my life. You have to pass at least two McDonald's before maybe even three McDonald's to get to the Wodonga McDonald's from Melbourne. Like, the logic is just, yeah, God knows what's going on in the world. This crazy time is bringing out the weirdest and strangest in all of us. I am doing fine, though. I'm not going cuckoo just yet, especially when lockdown hasn't officially started, but... We'll talk in six weeks' time and see see if I've ripped uh, chunks of hair out of my head like mankind in 97. Like, we'll see what happens. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, Last weekend, the game show part two was a lot of fun. And I've already halfway through booking the next couple of shows. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got two pay-per-views fully booked out with TV shows in between and I'm halfway through another pay-per-view being booked out. I'm just that obsessed. Yeah, so if you if you haven't heard that one, go back in the archive. It's it's just over an hour and it's just just a bit of fun for us to <laughs> to take our mind off the world, especially especially poor Alex with everything going on down there. Yeah. Should we get to WCW? Let's get into the wonderful world of Vince Russo. So we move on to WCW Nitro, Monday, October 9th, 2000. This was taped Saturday, October 7th, 2000 from the Brisbane Entertainment Centre in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, 
which is about 25 minutes north of the Brisbane CBD. Uh, Alex, you were actually the one to choose these events. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, to kick off your reviews that you handpicked, you picked WCW Australia. So I thought I'd kick off my reviews by picking WCW in Australia. So I was going to ask, you're a Queensland boy. Have you ever been to the Brisbane Entertainment Centre for anything? No, I haven't been to that one, but I've been to the newer Brisbane Convention Centre, which is just on the other side of the river from the CBD. Yeah. Supernova, big Comic-Con type event, so I've been there for that. But WWE still runs... Yeah, out in uh, the entertainment centre in Brisbane when they run Brisbane. It's sort of a problem to get to because it's out in the middle of nowhere on the highway. There's a special turn off for it. Yeah. So you go past it as you're going into Brisbane City. Yeah, now I suppose I should ask because they did five events in Oz. Did you happen to go to any of the five? I had one of the first major, like, I am a young brat and I am cracking the pups and arguing with my parents, like big, big fights with my parents because I wasn't able to go to the Melbourne Nitro or Thunder. Oh, really? Yeah. I I can't remember what the... It might have been because, like, it was around the time of my dad's 50th birthday and that they had already planned, like, a massive 50th birthday and me being an only child brat was just like, no, you got to take me to Nitro. i got to go and see Goldberg and Ernest the Cat Miller and, 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 and Booker T. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you don't get it. And Dad's like, oh, when they come back next year, we'll go. We'll go. Oh, boy. And how'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, the next year, I did go to, like, one of those WWA shows, World Wrestling All-Stars or whatever in Melbourne. Oh, (laughs) wow. Which featured a match between uh, one of my fantasy draft picks, uh, Kurt Hennig, versus the worm, Dennis Rodman. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, no, I didn't get to go to any of these shows, but I just specifically remember just, like, giving my own parents the silent treatment for days because because they wouldn't ditch my dad's 50th birthday party to take me to Nitro or whatever it was. Ah, fair enough. So, yeah, this was the first night of a five-city tour across Australia. So, yeah, the first night was the 7th of October in Brisbane for a Nitro followed by October the 9th in Sydney for a funder, then October the 10th in Sydney for a house show, followed by October the 13th at Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne for a Nitro, and then October the 14th again at Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne for a funder. I remember October the 14th was my dad's 50th birthday party, and October the 13th I had family coming down for it. Yeah, (laughs) and I couldn't go. And, like, in hindsight, like, I'm kind of happy I didn't go, but also, like, it would have been cool to have said, like, with me being as big of a WCW mark as I am, like, it would have been good to say that I at least went to a Nitro, but 
Oh, shame on Dad for having 50 years of life on that week. <laughs> hey, I think he got the better deal of that. Didn't he agree to take you next year and it didn't happen? Yeah, he he scored. I'm pretty sure Dad was part of the AOL Time Warner buyout just to make sure I didn't have to go. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Yeah. So I probably was watching Nitro at the time. I have vague memories of Nitro, not a lot. I remember watching a lot of earlier Nitro, but yeah, not too much of um later Nitro. Yeah, so this was like during a period that like I'm kind of disgusted to say like during the time I was watching more Nitro than Raw. <laughs> I don't get it, but as a kid I thought Nitro in 2000 was so much better than Raw because I was like, oh, Raw's just wrestling matches with, like, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko and Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle. But, like, Nitro's got, like, heaps of cool, like, backstage stuff and stories and stuff. <laughs> and, like, Stacey Keebler's pregnant. <laughs> yes, we'll get there in a second. Um, so commentary for both events was Tony Schiavone, Stevie Ray and Mark Madden. They begin with a shot of the limo outside and a man dressed up as Surfer Sting emerges. It's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Ha ha! Choke on that, Slapnuts! I thought it was actually kind of surreal to kick off Nitro like with, like... Queensland license plates. <laughs> it was just like a really surreal thing to see for me, like watching it back, like, huh, that's Queensland license plates kicking off Nitro. You don't see that often. There's then B footage of Brisbane as Tony states it's the first Nitro outside North America and they go into the opening video and show Poro with Tony stating there's 14,000 fans in attendance. In beautiful Queensland. Yeah, see? Brisbane, Queensland, they don't mess up too Oh, Queensland, though. It's Queensland. Everyone says Queensland, not Queensland. No, nah, not around here. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. it's a regional dialect thing. Good for Tony Schiavone. He's a better Australian than I am. But yeah, the, the major one we get is... Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. Adelaide's not too hard to mess up. Perth. Perth's pretty easy. Sydney. No. Yeah. Melbourne's the major one. Oh, Brisbane sometimes you get. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember hearing Brisbane a couple of times when they were like, WWE's like advertising like house shows and stuff. Like, Brisbane and Melbourne. Oh, speaking of advertising stuff, I went looking for the ECW <laughs> on Fox 8 footage. I can't find that ad anywhere. Yeah, like, it's 2010, and they're, like, showing Paul... They're basically advertising Paul Heyman in the Hammerstein ballroom for ECW. Ugh. But, yeah, so... Uh, first match is a singles match. Primetime Elix Skipper of Team Canada versus Rey Mysterio Jr. with Tigress in his corner of the Filthy Animals. Now, Tony mentions that Primetime is the Cruiserweight champion, but he doesn't have the title, and it's later mentioned that he's not the champion, so he might have meant, like, number one contender. 
Yeah, um, as a listener of Tony Schiavone's podcast, this is the era of WCW that he refers to as a coffin on roller skates. They were going downhill real fast and they were already dead. And he would happily admit that this is a period of his career where he just showed up, he said what he was told to say, and he got the hell out of there as quick as he could. He could not care less. And it was very evident with a lot of Tony's commentary on this show. It's always weird for me seeing Ray without his mask on because you're that ingrained for the past 18 years, this guy wears a mask. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's a very strange visual. I completely forgot that Alex Skipper was such a big thing in, well, was a thing in WCW. Like, like everyone remembers him from his crazy spot on the TNA, like Six Side of Steel or whatever. But, like, I completely forget that he was, like, a big part of the Cruiserweight division at this point in time. Also, I I made you have a quick listen before the show. Um, I noticed during this match, oh, the commentaries completely disappeared for Elix Skipper's entrance. I wonder what music they had to dub over. Some song plays, and it's like Elix Skipper's WCW theme, look it up, and it's just a blatant ripoff of DMX's, like, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here? Except it's like Elix Skipper singing his like, who built this house? Primetime did. Primetime did. It was so corny and lame and just hilarious and so WCW. That's something I didn't think WCW would suffer from with their video library. They really do. There's a lot of stuff they had to like. Like, yeah, because like a lot of stuff was like so close to the original song they were ripping off that it basically caused copyright <laughs> infringements anyway. From there, there's a lovely sunset flip over the top rope from Elix onto Ray to the outside. Tigress is on commentary and is attacked by Tori Wilson. A distracted Ray gets caught by Elix, who hits the play of the week for the 1-2-3. Quick little opening match went six minutes. So the play of the week, um, Randy Orton had it as a finisher when he first debuted as the overdrive. MVP had it for a little bit. Zack Ryder did an inverted version of it. It's always like the worst, like generic finisher. But like Elix Skipper does it and it's so cool. Like, I don't know how, but like anyone else that's ever done it looks like a geek. But Elix Skipper does it and it looks awesome. So from there, they go straight to backstage, which is a continuing theme on WCW. There's not really much time to celebrate. It's just straight on to the next thing. The Boogie Knights talking to Shane Douglas and then cut to the Natural Born Thrillers walking to the ring. Back from commercial as the Natural Born Thrillers and Mike Sanders, who is the WCW commissioner, is also the cruiserweight champion. There's chance of Russo sucks. The cat walks down to the ring to challenge Mike Sanders' authority, and out comes the misfits in action. Everyone brawls, and Cat and MIA clear the ring. I forgot that Mike Sanders was actually a decent promo. I forgot how much I used 
like I was obsessed with Ernest the Cat Miller as a kid, especially around this time. Like I thought he was the coolest dude ever. Also, MIA, the Misfits in Action, get a classic WWE overdubbed theme song as well. I remember them having some like pretty cool like rock slash metal song, but they got like some like late night talk show jazz song <laughs> instead. Like there was saxophone and stuff. Like as these tough MIA guys come out, it was ridiculous. So from there, they go backstage again. The Boogie Knights are dancing in front of a mirror while Stacey Keebler is in the car park. They come back from break and Jeff Jarrett, still dressed as Surface Sting, is going through catering. Next match is a WCW Tag Team Championship match. It's the Natural Brawn Thrillers team of Mark Jindrak and Shane O'Hare, the champions, versus the Boogie Knights. That's Alex Wright and Disco, spelt with a Q, because Cisco, get it? Get it? Well, the one thing I don't get is, why does Disco have a duck? Like a few years ago, I rewatched all of WCW 2000. I can't remember exactly why, but there is a segment from like one of the weeks around this where Scott Steiner just randomly beats up Disco backstage and then he's just staring at the duck. And Scott Steiner, in Scott Steiner fashion, goes, I don't care about you, duck! And just kicks it at, at a wall. And it's just, like, one of the most funniest things I've ever seen. I don't care about you, duck! Ha! Um, <laughs> uh, um, still... <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, at one point, Disco runs in with the duck and attacks Mike. The fans love Disco and are even chanting for Alex to tag him in. Like, this guy was over. <laughs> yeah, man. Disco was the man. I will say Alex Wright was looking a bit sloppy here. <laughs> like physique wise, like we all remember Dust Wonderkin. Like Dust Wonderkin. <laughs> yeah, he was like chiseled and shredded and like tanned, and here he is like bald and like pale and sl- like a bit of a sloppy rig. Not that I'm one to judge, but yeah, <laughs> he looked ordinary. The referee in this match is Little Nate Charles Robinson, which explains <laughs> whacking the tag team rules. Oh, no. Please don't tell me you're going to do your usual thing about tag rules for WCW 2000. Oh, no, we don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Disco hits the chart buster for the one, two, three, and the new tag team champions as the crowd celebrates. But WCW Commissioner Mike Sanders said they should be disqualified. Natural born thrillers run in. Beat down the Boogie Knights, the match restarts, and the Natural Brawn Thrillers get the 1 2 3 and are still champs. And as they go to pose, we cut to the back. This is a very fast moving show, like nothing really sits. You can't say it's boring. Like it, it moves. It moves, at least. It moves and there's no filler. There's no matches for the sake of like filling out time or whatever. It's just like. Yeah, bang, bang, bang. It's intense. Shot backstage of Stacey Keebler walking in the hallway towards the ring and it's shown outside that Goldberg has arrived on his motorcycle. Footage of the Nitro girls is then shown at the Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary, including feeding kangaroos. Yeah, okay. It's like the generic thing, like 
I'm sure one day, like, we'll go and review Global Warning Tour and, like, between every match, it's just, like, have a look at generic wrestler here padding, like, generic Australian scenery or iconic imagery here. Lance Storm's awesome in that. Yeah, actually. And there's the bit where, like, Kurt Angle's, like, really braggadocious and is like, yeah, I can throw a boobarag and pad up it. Anywho, WCW... There's then a promo for the Sting credit card with Jeff Jarrett dressed up as Surfer Sting. Yeah, the, they really loved this Jeff Jarrett as Sting thing. They were like, they were all in on this and it just wasn't working. Stacey is asked to reveal the dad in the ring, but says it's no one's business, then tells David Flair that he needs to stop. David comes out to talk to Stacey and Crowbar comes out to try to calm down David. David attacks Crowbar, and that 70s guy, Mike Awesome, comes in for the save. Yeah, we're going to talk about Mike Awesome again. Woo! Oh, if only. It's 70s guy. <laughs> it, it's Mike below, below average. He's not awesome. So he's definitely making chicken salad out of chicken stuff with this gimmick. Like, he was over as well. I don't get it. Like, maybe, like... Australian fans, like, don't, we definitely didn't get enough North American wrestling, especially live at this point. Like, this is the first time in however many years. Since the um the mid-'80s when the WWF came out. We were probably really starved for wrestling, and hence, like, everyone is pretty much over on this show, surprisingly. So backstage they show Tigress and Tori Wilson walking to the ring for their match next. And Jeff Jarrett as Surfer Sting is interviewed backstage saying that he will sign autographs for the Lil Stingers later tonight. Back from commercial, Sam Greco, two-time WAKO champion, is shown ringside. Yeah, he was also in Fat Pizza as like Paulie's cousin at one point. I remember that. <laughs> He's in Underbelly as well. Yeah, Underbelly is a bouncer at one of the nightclubs. He's in Swift and Shift. Yeah, he's in that, yeah. So we get to the down underwear match. It's Tigress and Tori Wilson. They start brawling. Tigress strips off Stacy's shorts. Then Stacy takes off Tigress's shirt and Tigress takes off Stacy's shirt to win. Shane Douglas confronts Tigress, but Conan runs down to make the save. Nothing really to add there. That was uh, the year 2000 and women's wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> um, backstage, Commissioner Mike Sanders said he has a match for Big Veto later on tonight. And Jeff Jarrett comes down to the ring as Surfer Sting, saying that he'll sign autographs for the Little Stingers. But all of a sudden, Crow Sting appears and repels down from the rafters, and they begin to brawl around the ring. Jeff's back suplexes Crow Sting through the table, but Crow Sting hulks up and applies the Scorpion Deathlock. The real Sting looked so cool here. This was like, I don't know, this was just like, Around the time that, like, I was so obsessed with him. Like, they had to dub over his music as well, because this was around the time that he was coming out to Metallica's Seek and Destroy, which was such a cool entrance song for him. Oh, man. Yeah, is that because um, Time Warner would have had ties with a music company at the time? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, 
I, I don't know all the logistics behind all that, yeah. So we go backstage again, and Scott Steiner's looking pissed, saying he will take care of Sting in the ring as Jared is lying on the ground. Commissioner Mike Sanders says he's called for backup, and Kevin Nash arrives. Just quickly back to the Scott Steiner thing. Jeff Jarrett is still dressed up as Sting, and Scott Steiner never once calls him Jeff Jarrett. He keeps calling him Sting. Sting, you okay? I'll take care of Sting in the ring. He just, it was just like one of those subtle things that makes Scott Steiner just comedy gold. It must have just been me and my note-taking just not to confuse Sting and Jarrett because he was still dressed up. Yeah, yeah. So we go to a tag team match. It's Booker T and Ernest Cap Miller with Miss Jones in their corner versus Kevin Nash and Mike Sanders. Booker T is the WCW World Heavyweight Champion at this time. And back to, again to referee a tag match is Little Nate Charles Robinson. Yeah, oh, who would ever book Booker T to be World Champion? <sighs> yeah, I think we know someone. <laughs> Vince Russo. Yes, yes. Nash and Mike are strong against the cat, but Booker is fighting back. Tag to cat, and Mike is pinned for the 1-2-3. Cap begins to go and shadow box with Sam Greco ringside, who doesn't look impressed, which leads to Scott Steiner running in and attacking Booker with a lead pipe. I love Scott Steiner. He's the best. He, like, genuinely makes me happy. His booking in 2000 as well was just, like, like you could believe at any time Scott Steiner was just going to run in and attack someone in the ring for no reason. Like, he would just come in and just attack people every match. Like, it was just insane at this time. Oh, I love him. So we go backstage. David Flair challenges Mike Awesome to a hardcore match later tonight. And footage is shown of Goldberg stretching while Big Vito is interviewed. Back from break, there's a match. It's Big Vito versus Goldberg. Goldberg gets his full entrance. Lands a spear, jackhammer, and one, two, three, and he is now four and zero. Yeah. So, do you know what the storyline was here? If he loses, he's supposed to retire. He has to like either break his own streak, or if he loses, he gets retired. And if he like breaks his own streak, he gets like his contract ru- like taken out of the hands of Vince Russo or something like stupid like that. Because, like, at one point, like, earlier on in the year, Goldberg turned heel and aligned himself with Vince Russo, and then they quickly changed Goldberg back to face. That's a bit odd. Yeah, it's so weird. (laughs) So, post-match, Johnny the Bull runs down to attack Big Vito. Goldberg, who was walking up the ramp, returns to the ring, does a pump handle suplex, spear and jackhammer to Johnny, and... The ref counts three for Goldberg, who the commentators say is now 5-0, and oh, even though no bell to start the match. Oh, man. Yeah, why not, I guess? The crowd really seemed to like um Goldberg here as well. Oh, yeah. Chanting for him and that. Yeah, definitely. Like, this was the guy in WCW at this point. Like, this version of Goldberg was like... I was, like, arguing with people at primary school, probably arguing with you, that he would kick Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Rock's ass. Like, he's my boy. Like, No, he won't. X-Pac will beat him. <laughs> <laughs> Post-match, Big Vito shows respect to Goldberg before a mystery tag team stands on the entranceway and stares at the ring. 
I didn't happen to catch their name, did you? I don't even remember that bit. <laughs> Fair enough then. There's then more B-roll footage of Brisbane shown as a car arrives at the arena, but no one gets out. Next match, it's a hardcore match. That 70s guy, Mike Awesome versus David Flair. David runs down and the plunder begins with a trash can, but there's not too many weapons used as they brawl out over the barricade into the crowd. Back in the ring, Awesome hits a power bomb in the ring for the one, two, three. To the back, the mystery man in the car was Ric Flair who's arrived at the arena. Uh, I'm just going to have to inject myself right here. It wasn't just a car. It was like a beige, like golden color, the generic like Toyota Camry. That like goldy, beigey color, like Toyota Camry that we all know probably has a box of tissues in the back window. And probably, yeah, it was just like Ric Flair styling and profiling in his Toyota Camry. Yeah, bring it, Nate. Sort of jabroni would be in a Toyota Camry. I don't know. Ric Flair runs down to the ring and Awesome already has a table set up for the Awesome Bomb to the outside. He's telling Mike to stop, saying that David's had enough. And David, seeing his dad there, is upset and runs to the back. So do you remember much of David Flair in WCW at the time? I also remember where all this story goes with Ric Flair. Oh, boy. I wish I didn't. Um, let's just say David Flair was looking in all the wrong directions for who the father of Stacy's baby was, and it was right under his nose. Backstage, Kiwi is helping Major Guns get dressed as they cut to commercial. Next is a WCW Canadian Heavyweight Championship match. It's Landstorm with Team Canada ringside, Elix Skipper, Jim Duggan and Major Guns versus Conan with Rey Mysterio Jr. and Tigress in his corner. Lance says he doesn't have any tolerance for the Aussies. The Aussies, as they say. Says the local... Ring crew was the same morons who set up the Olympic gym equipment because apparently the gymnastic equipment at Sydney had fallen apart or wasn't to regulations. Yeah, and you had like Jim Duggan like walking around the ring, like measuring the height of the ropes. It was, yeah, and also Jim Duggan was like clean shaven and like had short hair. It was so weird. They, um, Ask for the crowd to be respectful as the Canadian National Anthem plays. And most of the crowd stood up and was quiet. Which I just, like, you, you know in wrestling, like, that's a thing used just to, you're not from here, boo. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't have to listen to it too long because the filthy animals interrupt the anthem. Quick little match, Lance ends up applying the Canadian Maple Leap and Conan taps out in 4.36. And we go backstage to Sting and Scott Steiner walking to the ring for their match later tonight. Do you remember much of Lance Storm as Canadian champion? Yeah, I love that. I, I remember being a huge fan of it as a kid in the year 2000 and actually being upset that Lance Storm didn't beat Booker T for the world title when he got the chance. Because, like, there was that one point where Lance had literally all the titles except for the world title, and he renamed them all. 
There's a Saskatchewan Hardcore International title. Yep. The the acronym for that says it all. The Canadian Heavyweight Championship. Yep. The, what was it? The 100 kilos and under? Yeah, it's it's something in kilos for the Cruiserweight Championship. And yeah, it was ch- challenging for the heavyweight title. Yep. One of my mates uh, is quite a big fan of this era and will pretty much immediately text me as soon as he hears this to correct me on the name of that cruiserweight title. (laughs) So, please do. So, we go on to the main event of the night. It is a singles match, Sting versus Scott Steiner with Medeja in his corner. God just starts spouting off a bunch of stuff in the ring. (laughs) I have no idea what he said. This is like Scott Steiner at his absolute, like, craziest. (laughs) Like, he's just insane here. As they're about to start, it's announced there's a special guest referee in Jeff Jarrett. But he's changed out of his sting gear and is now washed the face paint off in a black dress pants with a referee shirt on. He's actually looking quite spunky, if I don't say so myself. Jeff is letting Scott get away with a lot including trying to fast camp for him. Eventually, the Cat and Booker come down. Cat and Jared fight off to the back, and Booker, who's wearing a referee shirt, goes in, counts two for Steiner, but won't count three. Get up. Sting hits the Scorpion, Deathlock, and Booker counts three for Sting. And the show goes off the air quickly after that. We're out of time! Plastic Shivaniism. Yeah, I actually wish they did a bit more of that with Dynamite. Yeah, who knows? They could. Like, you know, there's been plenty of times where they've ended Dynamite with, like, a big brawl with the late and the inner circle, and they should have had... And I think they did it once or twice, but they should have had Tony Shivani scream, We're out of time! That's all, folks! See you next week! When they first started, because we got on... AEW Plus for a fight. They did it once or twice where something was happening and they cut off and like they played the little Dynamite song and then they cut back to the ring and it was still going on, so they were taping it for next week after we went off the air, this happened. Yeah, also like the first like month or two of like Dynamite, you could hear the announcers talking in the commercial breaks <laughs> and just JR just being like, yeah, you... Doing good, kid. You're doing good, kid. Dick by me will do fine. <laughs> Poor Paulie. All right. Um, so what do you give Nitro here? I'll give it, you know what? It had Mike Awesome. It had Kevin Nash, who was in, like, we didn't talk about it enough. He was in peak, like, I don't care mode. Like, this was, like, Kevin Nash at his absolute laziest. <laughs> he didn't take a bump this entire show. Like, any offense he did was just, like, punches or, like, where he doesn't have to exert too much energy. It was just, it was peak Kevin Nash. This is, like, Scott Steiner at his craziest. This has a nostalgic spot for me, and even I can't give it more than two and a half. I'm giving it a very generous two and a half. I don't know if this is, like, the scale because we've had so much empty arena wrestling or... What it was fun, it moved fast, there wasn't any filler, so I gave it I gave it three. You're kidding. Alright then I'm giving it three too because I 
I can't I can't have you given a better rating to like my boys. <laughs> to that 70s guy. Come on, man. This is my boy. Part two. It is WCW Funder, Wednesday, October 11th, 2000, taped Monday, October 9th, 2000. So Chris Thunder talking about Thunder from Down Under as they very smartly like kept referring to this as Thunder from Down Under. Yeah, WCW, Thunder Down Under. Like, yeah, of course you have to. It was good. <laughs> I liked that part of it. Um, So from this... Sydney Entertainment Centre, Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, about seven minutes north of the CBD in Sydney. Same commentary team again. Were you watching Thunder at the time as well? I don't recall, like, ever being able to watch Thunder. It was on a channel that my parents didn't get or whatever. Like, I don't recall ever watching Thunder as a kid. Because Raw was on Fox Sports. Um, Nitro was on TN... T, which was like classic movies at night, Cartoon Network during the day. I think when SmackDown started, it was on Fox 8, and that channel was locked. Like, that channel was extra in the beginning of Foxtel. Yeah. Now it's like the basic channel. It's like pretty much the only decent channel they give you to begin with. And it begins with Jared, Steiner, and Medeja arriving backstage, and Steiner attacks Stacey 8, saying that he wants to book a T tonight. He just attacks him for no reason. You're both heels. You're both on the same side. Settle down, Scott. He's just asserting his dominance. <laughs> he's just... Oh, he's just the best. I love him. Oh, I love Scotty. B footage of Sydney showing they stated it was the home of the Summer Olympics last month. Going to the funder opening... With the show Pyro and Tony states there's 18,000 fans in attendance for a sold-out event tonight. And then the thunderclap happens during every replay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a fan of this? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never watched much Thunder before. This honestly might have been the first full episode of Thunder I've watched. I think I've watched bits and pieces of these ones before from the Australian shows, but I don't think I've sat down and watched a full one. Yeah. Um, so from there, we go into a tag team match. The team of General Rection and Conan with Tigress in their corner versus the team of Landstorm with Major Guns and the franchise with Toya Wilson. Franchise calls out Conan. And Lance says, quote, This country was founded by convicts and conmen. Show some respect for the Canadian national anthem. And then Sydney boos O Canada. Yeah, he finally got some heat on that that anthem. He didn't get any the, on Nitro. No, but Smart Man was able to turn it around. Pretty good little back and forth. Eventually comes down to general erection, hitting a top rope crasher, and gets the pinfall victory as Lance walks to the back with major guns. Backstage, Mike Sanders is in his office with Stasiak saying Diner attacked him earlier. The cat comes down to the ring, and shockingly, WCW has signed Sam Greco. What? Yeah, I did not remember this ever happening. Uh, I looked it up, and it was like, they started airing vignettes for his official, like, debut, like, in the weeks leading up to WCW shutting down, so he just missed out on debuting. But yeah, I had no idea this happened. Uh, Sam 
Greco cuts a bit of a promo and Mark Madden and Stevie Ray just tear him to shreds on commentary for being boring and falling asleep and having no charisma and all that. So, yeah, good work, WCW. Really making me want to invest in this young up-and-comer. Yeah, exactly. A young up-and-comer that looked like 50, by the way. (laughs) His hairline was gross. Thank God he shaved it later on. (laughs) So... They're interrupted by the natural-born thrillers and they question the cat's authority to sign someone. Cat ends up telling a your mum joke to Mike Sanders and then then Cat attacks Stasiak. Backstage, Goldberg is shown lacing up a pair of boots. Mike Sanders is in his office with the natural-born thrillers after the ad talking about what they're going to do tonight. Next match, it's a WCW World Tag Team Championship match. The natural-born thrillers... Mark Jinjak and Sean O'Hare, the champions, versus Corporal Cajun and Lieutenant Loco. Uh, yeah, so that's Chavo Guerrero and one of the most underrated cruiserweights of all time. Me and my buddy Wok will argue this till the end of days with anyone. The fabulous, the fantastic Lash LaRue. Really? Oh, man, he's so good. He had L's for us. For sideburns? Come on, man. I mean, I just didn't recognise them. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Chapo and Lash, man. Yeah, so good. But uh, I messaged you during the week and pretty much said something along the lines of, oh boy, Jindrak and O'Hare versus Lash and Chavo. Oof. And, uh, yeah. So I'll let you do your thing and I'll tell you where it gets so bad. So it sort of was what it was. There's no real enforcement of tag team rules here. Harakarana and one, two, three, Corporal Cajun and Lieutenant Loco are your new tag team champions. But hang on, Mike Sanders comes out and says there's going to be a rematch and that starts right now. (laughs) So the fans are chanting bull... (laughs) so loud it has to be censored on the network yeah and around this point like they're trying to irish whip each other they're like trying to bounce into the ropes and they're just like all over the place just like it's just so like botchy and like uncoordinated and something was really off like they were struggling to do anything all four guys yeah the match sort of falls apart and ends up with a swanton bomb into a 1-2-3 count. Natural Brawn Thrillers regain the championships, becoming new champions tonight. Afterwards, Sergeant Awol runs down to the ring and attacks both Natural Brawn Thrillers before we cut to the back. Primetime interview where he says he built this arena. The Olympics mean nothing. Clip of Booker T walking backstage. Back to Sanders' office and he says Chuck will face Goldberg tonight to break his streak. Yeah, this is all just, like, generic backstage stuff, but Primetime was actually pretty interesting for his interview. He was somewhat charismatic, but, yeah, this is all pretty generic stuff back here. So it's a two-on-one match. Chronic, Brian Adams and Brian Clark versus Booker T, who is the current WCW World Heavyweight Champion, but the title's not on the line. I'm going to just quickly talk about a personal story from mine about how on one of my pencil cases in 
primary school, I'd ridden some of my, like, favourite wrestlers on there. You know where this is heading. One of the biggest names on my pencil case that I had ridden on <laughs> with a pen, and I can't believe this in hindsight, is Chronic. <laughs> like, as a kid, I thought Chronic was the coolest. I was like, oh, APA, I just want to be Chronic. Like, <laughs> Brian Adams, Brian Clark, I love him, man. The they got this. They got the high times, bro. They're chronic. They're cool. They're badasses. Yeah. So that's just one weird little tidbit. Um. Yeah. I I was obsessed with chronic. <laughs> the, the tag team. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Ten year old me was obsessed with chronic, the tag team. But like, I remember like a year later. With the WCW invasion and all that, they did that one pay-per-view. It was Unforgiven. And one of the matches they built up was the Brothers of Destruction versus Chronic for the WCW tag titles. And it's, like, notoriously one of the worst matches in wrestling history. But my mum never could be convinced to buy WrestleMania 17 on pay-per-view. Couldn't be convinced to buy, like, Starcade 97 on pay-per-view. But she knew just by how excited I was that she had to buy Unforgiven 2001 so her, her little boy could watch his favourite tag team beat The Undertaker and Kane because Chronic is back. And what end? And I don't think I was able to convince my mum to buy another pay-per-view until, like, the next year's WrestleMania because... Yeah, I was just complaining about how bad it was. As like a 10, 11-year-old kid complaining about how bad a match was. But I was like positive it was Undertaker and Kane's fault. Yeah, well, you're not, a, not alone in that opinion today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was just ahead of my time, man. Plus, Brian Adams, him as Crush in the early 90s is like the best. And I, I will fight anyone on that. <laughs> What else was he? He was he was just like multiple versions of Crush. So there was like he debuted in the in nineteen ninety one or something as the third member of Demolition. There was Axe Smash, then Crush. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm thinking of. And then he turns into like Kona Crush. Like Hawaiian dude, like mullet, chilled out. Does the uh, bloody vice grip as a finish. He was a baby face. Then he becomes evil crush, which they just called him that on TV, where he joins up with like Yokozuna and has Mr. Fuji as a manager. Then like down the road, he becomes like jailbird crush where he was like a f- ex convict and he like had nowhere to go. So he joined the nation of domination and then he becomes Disciples of Apocalypse Crush, the leader of the DOA, like the biker gang. Then he joins then WO. The complete history of Brian Adams, as told by yours truly, Alex Fruity Williams, the one true crush aficionado. Oh, man. Um, wow. So Booker T's in the ring saying that he'll face Steiner at Halloween Havoc this year. The match is um, 
Booker has to face both men at once. There's no forced tags. Towards the end of the match, Goldberg's music plays and he runs through the crowd, beers Clark and does a mule kick to Adams and Chronic wins by DQ. Chronic, woo! Wait, this means in the year 2000, they have a win over the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, robbed. It was a goddamn conspiracy. Brian Clark, Brian Adams should have been World Heavyweight Champion. They should have lay cooled the title belt, like cut it in half and joined it up together like lay cool did. Oh, man. Chronic all day. Oh, you better stop me before I just spend the next hour or two talking about how much I love Chronic. The tag team. <laughs> There's already so much there that will be taken out of context. <laughs> so we go backstage. Chuck is watching a TV while on the phone. He's talking to his mum about his match with Goldberg. And it's shown that Kevin Nash has arrived at the building. Yeah, big lazy here. <laughs> Boy, he did not have his working boots on. Singles match. Primetime Elix Skipper with Jim Duggan in his corner versus Billy Kidman. Good little back and forth. Under five minutes. Uh, Elix Skipper wins after hitting the play of the week. All right, here's a less controversial take about one of my favourites as a kid. Like, Billy Kidman, I thought, was, like, the coolest dude on the planet. Like, he was just so good. I was obsessed with him. Like, like I want, like I remember getting mum to buy me, like, jean shorts because I wanted to be like Kidman. Like, yeah, he was the coolest. What happened to Kidman now? Like, he had a time in um, WWF, didn't he? Yeah, and he's been, like, since then, he's been an agent backstage. Oh, okay. Yeah, and his, uh, I think he might be part of, like, NXT as an agent now. I think he was part of, like, that whole swap where they sort of swapped, like, some of Vince's normal agents to NXT and the NXT guys came up. So from there, one of the interviewers is talking to Chuck about why he was talking to his mum and his mum's advice was just to run. <laughs> they then cut to... Mike, 70s guy, awesome, who's walking to the ring for his Lava Lounge segment next. Come back from the ad and the Lava Lounge with Mike Awesome and his guests Kiwi and Paisley. Did you recognise Paisley? No. That is the future Charmel Huffman. Uh, Queen Charmel, one day down the road will be Booker T's wife. Oh, wow. Yeah, and also have one of the greatest matches in wrestling history. Um... So, I'm going to be honest, the WWE's music on the network just made this entire thing unwatchable. It's so loud, you can't hear the people talking. Do you have much to add before I get to the second half of this? That was pretty rough. Yeah, it was really unwatchable. I could not hear a thing. Uh, so, they're talking, and Johnny the Bull runs in and attacks Kiwi, and the Harris brothers attack Mike Awesome, putting him through the coffee table. We go backstage and Goldberg is taping up before his match and back to Sanders' office with Mike and Nash being told he has a match tonight. Yeah, was that the bit where Mike tells Nash he has to work and Nash is like, oh, come on, man. I don't want to wrestle. Yeah, he's like, why are you in a match? Oh, the cat put me in a match. Oh, okay. Why did he put you in a match? Because I put you in a match. Against him. You put me in a match? Come on. Yeah. 
next singles match, it is Goldberg versus Chuck Palumbo with Sean Stasiak in Palumbo's corner. Goldberg headbutts the door and grabs his head during his entrance. Idiot. <laughs> 20 years later... I really, like, I know your thoughts on Goldberg. I'm, You know my thoughts on Goldberg. I've wanted to pick something where Goldberg looks good. I did not do a good job. I picked another show where Goldberg pretty much concusses himself on his own locker room door. Damn it. The Aussie security guy who knocks on his door, like he bangs his head that hard against the door, the Aussie security on the other side of the door jumps back. Yeah, he actually sold it like a champ. Uh, so the match starts. Goldberg keeps shaking and grabbing at his head. He spears short, then Chuck. Tony on commentary says, look at his forehead. Yeah, I think he did that when he headbutted his own door. So he's busted open now, bleeding from the forehead. Jack Hammer to Chuck for the win. He's now 6 0. Then grabs Stasiak. Jack Hammer to Stasiak and gets a free count, but no bell rang and it's stated that he's now 7 0. It is what it is. Oh, man. At least they're like in ring. This is all you need to do with Goldberg. And he'll get huge reactions and people will happily watch it. Yeah, the, the crowd loved him. And thank God he wasn't as loopy as he was with Taker. No one got hurt here. Yeah, well, thankfully he didn't injure Sean Stasiak and we eventually get that beautiful Planet Stasiak run in 2002. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> now I do, jeez. You're welcome. Non-title single matches next. It is Sting versus Mike Sanders. Mike Sanders is the WCW Cruiserweight Champion and the title is not on the line as the cat joins the commentary team. Surfer Sting makes his entrance, but it's Jeff Jarrett again. Oh, who would have thought? Jeez. As the bell rings, he's laying down on the mat saying, come on, get this over. I know I'm past my prime. <laughs> this is actually pretty good. As the bell rings to start the match... Sting's real music hits, and he comes down the ring, throws Jarrett over the top rope. The match begins. Scorpion death drop on Mike Sanders for the win. Je Jeff Jarrett, uh, the previous segments with him as Surfer Sting didn't really do it for me, but this one was actually pretty funny. I didn't mind this one. Uh, after the commercial, they cut back to Sanders' office. They're all sad because of their losses tonight, and Nash says, don't worry about it. They then cut the camera to show Kerry Packer in the crowd and the crowd boos. That was hilarious. Right decision if you know the history of WCW Australia. Yeah, exactly. The man who wanted cricket and said, no more wrestling. Yeah, uh, Mark Madden's comments. Saying, quote, he should buy this company. Like, imagine. Like, imagine a Kerry Packer-owned world championship wrestling in America. That... <laughs> That's just insane to me. <laughs> Imagine, like, Kerry Packer being the Eric Bischoff in the NWO. So, who was, like, sort of the authority figure, say, January in WCW? In 2000? 2001. Oh, God knows. Russo still? Might have been Flair. Flair had a good run as an authority figure. Russo was gone by the end of 2000, I know that. Like, was WCW up for sale at that time publicly? 
because it just seems weird that they're advertising that on their own station. Yeah. You're on the network, the television network that is run by your owner, you idiot. So from there, there's a tag team match. It's Crowbar and Mike Awesome versus Harris Brothers, Big Ron and Heavy D. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh. It annoys me what they did with Mike Awesome. But he tried. You could tell he's trying. Yeah, he's certainly someone who turned chicken stuff into chicken salad. Yeah, there's like bits like like after the match, he like mellows out and he like puts up the peace signs. He's like, chill out, man. It's over now, man. Like being a 70s hippie like that. It was so funny. Yeah, I, I didn't mind that. Um yeah, anywho, not much worth talking about with that match, though. Yeah, so Mike gets the back body drop through the table and they end up winning. That's a team of Crowbar and Mike Awesome. They're backstage with Steiner and Medeja walking to the ring. Then a singles match, Scott Steiner with Medeja in his corner versus Rey Mysterio Jr. There's a Scott Steiner promo saying that he thought he only had freaks in the US, but now he's got freaks worldwide. And he <laughs> stares down with some fan reading side in a Goldberg tea agony on. Yeah, what are you doing, dude? You don't mess with Scott Steiner. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, man? Like, this is Scott Steiner. He is, like, three times your width, has, like, seven times the amount of muscle definition as you'll ever have, and mass. And he's, like, a shoot wrestler. <laughs> Who just, like, kills everybody? Come on, man. So Scott ends up winning with the Steiner recliner on Ray Jr. and Ray Taps. It was actually, it looks pretty cool when it's applied on a smaller guy like Ray. Yeah, it looked really good. He could get a lot more rev- leverage with a smaller man. Yeah. Like, Scott Steiner in 2000, like, it's a shame he was in WCW for it because this version of Scott Steiner was a legitimate superstar in my eyes. Like, he could wrestle at this point. This was before he had that drop foot thing when he went to WWE and he couldn't, could barely walk, let alone wrestle. Like, this was him at his absolute peak. Yeah. It's just a shame that... No one was watching. <laughs> was he ever in WWE after WCW? Yeah, yeah. So he had that run in, uh, he like debuted at the Survivor Series in 02 and he had a run with Triple H. And yeah, before that, before he got signed, he had this thing called Drop Foot or whatever and he's had a lot of foot issues and he had which caused a lot of hilarious botches, which is famous for, if you ever get a chance, have a look at, look up a video of him doing a double axe handle from the apron to test. It is the funniest thing you'll ever see. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was a bad run for poor old, poor old Papa Pump. So from there, backstage, Nash is shown walking to the ring before the main event, it's a singles match. Ernest the Cat Miller versus Kevin Nash. Good sort of back and forth. Ends when Mike Sanders gets up from commentary and attacks the cat with a chair and it ends in DQ with Nash looking pissed. But he sets up the chair in the ring and Nat goes 
Nash goes for a power bomb, but Booker T runs in. Then so does Scott Steiner and Sting and Mr. Slapnuts. Fans champ for Goldberg. Goldberg runs in. So does the Harris brothers. And the Harris brothers have Booker T set up for a ch- double choke slam as the tape goes to black. We're out of time. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Yeah, unnecessary chaotic ending. Um, yeah, <laughs> wasn't wasn't a great episode of Thunder, but there was a couple of highlights in there, mainly Scott Steiner being a psychopath and me getting to remind myself of how much I love Chronic. The tag team. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. So much taken out of context there. For myself, I felt this show dragged a lot more than Nitro, especially with all the backstage segments going to Sanders' office repeatedly. Jeff Jarrett tried his best. <laughs> I'll give him that. There was like one segment where it actually worked, the thing with him and Mike Sanders. But Ellie Skipper was fantastic. Billy Kidman looked great. Rey Mysterio was just, you know, Rey Mysterio is a fantastic wrestler. Um, yeah, so overall, I'm going two beers for this one. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. I'll give it two. You know, the good thing is that we still have in the bag two more episodes of WCW filmed in Australia for us to do talk about one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, don't lose your notes for this one because we might need to do this to remember what's been going on when I eventually pick the other episodes one day. Yeah, who knows? It could be could be fun to come back to this. Yeah, so do you want some quick facts about Sam Greco? Yeah, so despite signing uh, with WCW, he didn't make his in-ring wrestling debut until 2002 when he signed with Wrestle 1 of Japan. On the first Wrestle 1 event, he teamed with Dos Caras Jr., better known as Alberto Del Rio, or Alberto El Patron. He was wearing a mask and was known as Sam Caceres. Together they faced the team of Kaz Hayashi and Taioke. He then wrestled again in December of 2003 for All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he teamed with Keiji Muto and Abdullah the Butcher to face Taka Mishinoku, D'Lo Brown, and Jamal, better known as Umanga. What is this match? What? I need to see it. Tucker Michinoku, D'Lo Brown, Unu Maga versus the Great Muda, Abdullah the Butcher, and the muscly dude from Fat Pizza. What the hell is going on in Japan? The fact that we get to say that D'Lo Brown and Abdullah the Butcher locked up, what's happening there? Oh, that's insane. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to figure out. I'm going to try to find it. Yeah, so I'm not sure how All Japan's on-demand service works or if they have um, full access to their video library. I'll check out the Nefarious Means Network for free 99 But yeah, I do remember saying they did have a deal with like a 
MTV Japan, so they might have rights. Yeah. Um, this was really fun. Yeah, time got carried away there. Um, I would like to formally apologise for <laughs> that choice. I thought it would be a cool thing to talk about. But, yeah, it, it, it wasn't bad. Like, I think there was probably worse Raws and Smackdowns this year than there was, like, than those two, like, episodes of Thunder and Nitro. Like, honestly, I think I think 2020 wrestling might be worse than Thunder and Nitro in 2000 somehow. Yeah, so what's, what's next on the schedule for us, Hoggy? Something that's very relevant to you that you've chosen. Ah, uh, yes, 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 because starting from midnight tonight, that is right, we're going to talk about TNA Lockdown 2009. Uh, there's there's a tag team title match that involves Team No Limits, I believe, of Tetsuya Naito and Yujiro Takahashi somehow in TNA. Um yeah, I, I pick I picked this show because there's some of the stuff you would be surprised to see. Um, this is for free. It's for free on YouTube, so anyone can go watch this. The main event in 2009 for the TNA Heavyweight Championship in 2009 is Mick Foley challenging for the TNA title from Sting. In Six Sides of Steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Um, there is a dark match or uh, pre-show match of Eric Young versus Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family. I can't find the pre-show anywhere, so I don't know about that. There is, there is a lethal lockdown match. Team Jarrett versus Team Angle. This was like at the heart of the main event mafia. Team Jarrett, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Jeff Jarrett, and Samoa Joe. Team Angle, Booker T, Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle, and our boy Scott Steiner. Hopefully there's a promo in there. Um, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Well, be, you better because... The IWGP Tag Team Championships are on the line, as well as the TNA World Tag Team Championships in a Philadelphia street fight, where two teams that embody the spirit of New Japan Pro Wrestling go at it for the both tag titles. Beer Money versus Team 3D. <laughs> what? Is it at least in Philadelphia? I believe it is, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I could go on for ages about this card. Um, th there is a young Xavier Woods on this card to kick off the show. There's, yeah, there's lots to talk about here. Um, this was at a time where I was actually really into TNA for the, around like 06 to like 09, I was like, until about the Bischoff-Hogan era, I was, like, obsessed with TNA and thought it was the only wrestling on the planet to the point where, like, I stopped watching WWE, but I was only watching TNA. WWE, ECW? Yeah, and ECW for that short stretch there. 
yeah, so that's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, and I, I, th- <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about that main event with you. Oh, jeez, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, Mick Foley in a steel cage match in 2009. Just nine years after that uh, retirement Hell in a Cell match he had with Triple H at No Way Out. Oh, really? That long afterwards? But he came back for One Night Stand. Uh, he wrestled in the main event of WrestleMania one month after his retirement match, which I actually remember the only way I was able to watch WrestleMania 2000 was because you guys had ordered it, your family had ordered it, and I borrowed the vi- videotape after you recorded it. I remember... Shh. That's okay. It's... 20 years ago, people get over it. That's also how I saw the first ever TLC match from SummerSlam 2000. Bit of tape trading with you. Yeah, yeah, well, I suppose it's not tape trading anymore. Yeah, now now it's no longer tape trading, it's password trading. (laughs) Like, yeah, here's my password, get on there, give me yours. (laughs) Peace out, humans. Yeah, everyone stay safe, and remember, keep on crushing it like Brian Adams would. Chronic.